The world as we know it has fundamentally changed. What was once considered the future of work is here now. We are operating in an all-digital, work-from-anywhere world. More and more consumers are supporting brands that align with their personal values. It's the values-driven firms that will rebound sooner and grow faster in this new world. Salesforce has partnered with Singapore Community Radio to bring you this podcast. We want to explore the opportunities and the challenges of this new world. We want to talk about the ways in which we will work going forward, how businesses can be a platform for change, and how technology will continue to impact the world. We have some amazing thought leaders, executives, and community advocates joining us, and we hope it sparks some inspiration and innovation for you. To learn more about us, you can head to our blog at salesforce.com ap blog. Hi, I'm Asha Purputlal, and in this episode of Business as a Platform for Change, we are talking to Nadia Huta-Galong. Now, many of you may know her as a award-winning TV host, a top model, but she's also a wonderful eco-activist. She's taken on a lot of environmental causes. She's done everything from protecting elephants from the illegal ivory trade to clean seas to using fashion for a good cause. And she's been doing this for, I think, what, the last 25 years? So... You must have started, what, when you were three years old, Nadia? <laughs> good, good calculating. Thank you, uh, Asha. Um, yeah, I, I think the first time that I spoke at a conservation forum was 1996. Um, so it has been uh, a very long time. And uh, at that time when I spoke about uh, conservation issues or my concerns about the environment and our ability to sustain ourselves as a humanity on this planet, people thought I was mad. Um, <laughs> thankfully, it's not such a lonely um, space now, uh, and there's a lot of awareness around uh, where we're headed. Um, but yeah, it's been a long journey. But, you know, I guess people have really, you know, there have been years and years of advocacy by various groups and various people, but perhaps nothing has been as much of a wake-up call as COVID-19, perhaps, you know, people are suddenly beginning to realise, hey, this is real, and if we don't look after the planet, we are going to die. Yeah, well, I would hope so, um, you know, and th at least that was the, the initial hope that I had. Um, but I do think, you know, we are creatures of habit um, and the habitual nature that we've kind of been in this cyclical kind of nature of, of humanity and, and the desires and uh, the the benchmarks of what we consider to be success are still very much set in the material world. Um, and uh, my hope lies actually with the youth. Uh, there's been... Um, a lot more social engagement and, and environmental awareness with the youth. Um, but my concern is that do we have that much time to wait for them to then become into uh, into positions of, of power and authority and, and leadership? Um, the answer is no. <laughs> we don't have that time. Um, but we have to do whatever we can in the meantime to, to sort of you know, as a mother of three, try to ensure whatever whatever we have left um, is able to sustain the the billions of people that we have on this planet. You know, people are so, you know, active. They'll send messages and they'll forward WhatsApp messages and everything. But when it comes to the crunch, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, the planet's being affected. Are they really going to do anything? You know, this is, you know, something that I, I, I've been thinking about for um, probably a good 10 years now. Um, I was really trying to understand the behavioral change science behind what it is that 
would get us into a place of 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 action um, and move us from a place of apathy to a place of empathy, right? Pandemic, maybe. Uh, well, <laughs> has it actually? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, not not as much as as we need it to. I think there are a percentage of people who have um, become a little bit sort of more curious about their world. Um, but you know what it is is really that um, people feel scared to move from a place of apathy to a place of empathy because the the big issues that we're facing, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's climate change, whether it's species extinction or habitat loss or you know um, you know degradation of our water systems and soils and things like that, these are they're massive. You know they're, these are they're massive, massive, massive issues, and it's very hard if you are not well yourself to start engaging with these topics unless you uh, know. Ha- where in the solution you can um, can plug into, uh, so it's it's hard to move from that place of apathy to em- to place of empathy and action. Um, so it's it's even though we're we're looking at how we can actually solve the world's greatest problems, what we need to do is look at our inner inner reality as well, um, because if we are not mentally well uh, and robust and and agile and adaptive and creative, uh, it's very hard for us to be a part of um, you know finding innovative solutions. Why do you think people are scared? Because it's too big. Mm. It's way too big. The issues that we're that we're facing are are, are massive. Yeah. What do you think will get them past this fear? Uh, exactly what I was talking about: having the the tools of inner resilience. Um, uh, because only when you have that sense of uh, I'm well enough now. Uh, and I can be a creative thinker, and I can be an innovative innovator, and and be a part of the solution. Um, because if you're feeling anxious, or uh, you know, un, you know, with all of the uncertainty and the turmoil, turmoil, and everything that's going on on the outside, uh, which there is, and it's an excessive bombardment of um, of traumas that are happening in the world right now, and it's like having PTSD. You know, how you have to heal those traumas to be able to be um, um, moving forward in a really sort of productive manner so it's about being radically aware of your own well-being so that you can be a part of the solution let's talk about you Nadia I mean you travel all over the world for your courses but you like you everyone else you were stuck at home as well with the lockdown what was the lockdown for you like personally uh, you know in the first week um, I was like ah oh. <laughs> Who am I if I'm not that person who's traveling the world and speaking on stages, you know? Um, and I was just about to go and speak at the Smithsonian in, in Washington, in, in, in the U.S., uh, and uh, that obviously got canceled and a whole bunch of other really, you know, awesome, awesome things lined up. And so it took me about a week, and thankfully I have the tools of sort of self-curiosity and, and uh, emotional awareness to really sort of dig deep and understand what I was going through in my head. Um, and then I was like, well... I need to be a part of the solution for this, you know, as opposed to sitting around and just waiting for things to sort of happen and, and solve themselves. And then I was like, well, I'm not a frontline worker. We're all stuck at home. Um, I don't usually work in, in Singapore. I'm my, most of my work is on a, on a sort of global stage. Um, and uh, the, the, the recipients of, of whatever it is is not um, the environment or um, uh, endangered species—it's—it's it's our humanity. But we <laughs> increasingly, um, you know, our our ability to thrive on this planet is becoming um, more and more um, compromised, right? So anyway, I, I was like, okay, you know, what can I do? Then I, I really sat down and I thought about it, and I spoke to a few of my um, 
friends who are old school philanthropists in Singapore, and I, th- I thought, you know, there are a couple of things. You know, there is thinking about the people for whom staying at home is not a re- safe refuge, uh, and that those are, you know, victims of family violence. Um, the elderly who who usually have uh, caretakers that go and see them, um, or uh, you know other other sort of uh, at risk categories, and um, for for them staying at home could actually be a life or death um, sort of situation. Uh, so that was was one thing that I was thinking about. Then I was thinking obviously about the guest workers, and the other is the mental health of the community. So um, I reached out to these advisors, and I said, you know are these really the pain points that we'll be facing in Singapore? Um, and they agreed. And so what I did is I set up something called We the Good, mm-hmm. um, which is a platform that shines a light on some of the underserved charities in Singapore by telling stories around um, uh, some of the issues that they're facing. Uh, for the first few months, we focused uh, on the guest workers. And we did a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, not a lot of stuff that we posted on on our social media channels, uh, helping to forge strategic partnerships between some of the nonprofits and other organizations um, to help create a few layers of well-being within the dorms. Uh, so helping um, guest workers to um, access curriculums on mental well-being. Uh, I think one of the world's best social-emotional learning curriculums um, is from a foundation called the Contentment Foundation, um, of which I'm, I am an advisor. And so we, we partnered up, um, Pastor Sam and the work that he's been doing uh, with the Contentment Foundation to help train the guys in the dorms uh, to have dorm, you know, the dorms leaders to have uh, an understanding of emotional well-being. So they have the first eyes and ears on the ground in the dorms to be able to understand how their buddies are doing. Uh, then we helped to. Um, uh, create a partnership uh, or, or relationship between um, the Singapore Contractors Association and uh, another uh, nonprofit working here in Singapore to help do training for um, the um, the the employers. So the main cons, subcons, engineers, so they understand and have a language around mental well-being, and they can see, you know, okay, the guy's not eating, this guy's not sleeping well, he stopped communicating. So what are the warning signs and what to look out for? Tell, tell us, tell us a story, Nadia, that really stopped you in your tracks and made you want to do this because. I want. I wanted to see how it, how it came alive for you. Um, well, it's just having a sort of understanding of where the needs are, right? And and um, in the first few weeks, having the conversations with um, the various charities and seeing where the greatest need was, and of course, the greatest need really was with the guest workers. Um, and the need that we saw that that we could fill was really on, on the mental health space, uh, because. I'm also, you know, moving in that sphere, and so I have some connections globally who are able to um, come and support. Um, so we, a story, um, there, there wasn't any in the beginning, but as we continued the work, there've been stories that have been arising that have been um, quite moving. Um, you know, of course, I don't know; it's it's not widely known, but for a while, it was quite critical. Um, in the dorms, there was attempt suicides and suicides on almost on a daily basis, um, and so the mental well-being of the men were, was was really a, a huge a huge uh, point of concern. Uh, so we also helped to um, bring in somebody who would organise um, suicide prevention and mitigation training uh, to help give that understanding and those tools also for uh, the guys working with the guys in the dorms. Um, so the stories that came up were things like, um, you know, inspiring stories. One beautiful story is a story of a guy who came over on, you know, the lowest um, 
pass that you can get, and uh, he set, he put all of his money to his education, and he continued to go up, you know, from whatever pass they come in on, uh, then to you know to work permit, employment pass, and then you know, uh, and then he's a PR. And what he's done is he's become a civil engineer, uh, which is incredible. And, you know, having the ability and access to upgrading themselves uh, is something that's really beautiful. Um, stories of um, some of the guys that come together and they've created communities of, of writers and poets and storytellers. That's beautiful as well, you know. Uh, a story of um, a local yogurt company uh, giving yogurt to one of the, the the non-profits working here in Singapore with the guys and um, they had befrienders that have come on board you know from the local community here in Singapore Singaporeans who then meet the guys uh, the guest workers and they share yogurt together and it's it's a simple action and and it seems like it's, it would be trivial oh, here's some yogurt and you guys can eat together <laughs> but it creates an opportunity for connection um, and this uh, uh, an older Chinese lady reached out and held the hand of a guest worker and she said I'm so sorry I'm so sorry for the way that I thought about you or I felt about you and the thoughts that I had about um, guest workers and and he said no ma'am it's okay I'm also sorry you know and so it just just beautiful to see the the human stories um, and and what, the potential for human connection what do you think it would take for Singaporeans in general I mean there were people like this lady but what do you think for Singaporeans in general to go beyond seeing them as digits and actual real people who are having not just physical problem with COVID-19 but also mental issues mm, I think um, it's it's all about human connection, and it's really about understanding that um, all of us, all of us want to be respected and have agency and have um, you know kindness and and be treated fairly in our lives. We want to be loved, um, and we want to be. F- you know, want to feel um, worthy. And so, if we look at it at that basic human level, um, why wouldn't we want to? be good hosts for our guests who are visiting. Uh, We don't, you know, when we invite someone to our house, we don't want them to go away thinking we were terrible hosts, right? Uh, So it's the same. We want to be able to be those, those people who, you know, people walk away with, with great thoughts about. Um, And, you know, I think Singapore has done a, um, a great job on on so many levels, so many levels, and, and, and there's so many uh, agencies and organizations who are working, um, really hard to be able to ensure the well-being of of the the in all inhabitants um of the island right um and there's just some things that that were a little bit sort of slower to pick up you know and mental health was one of those do you think you know a lot of over the years right mental health is something that's obviously been shrunk off in many ways they're like oh just you know you'll get past it you just a little low today you'll get past it you don't see it as a real issue so it's not just our guest workers but it's just singaporeans in general who feel locked up in this island mm. and in a way it's like you know we've locked up animals for so long and now we're locked up on this island and we can't go anywhere mm. how do you think they're handling it how have you handled it and how are people you know handling it mm. um well singapore um pre-covid uh has you know stress and mental health related issues cost the country 1.3 billion dollars a year and that's you know for a population of what what are we five point six five point seven yeah um, and so that's a lot of money yeah. for um, a topic that no one's engaging with um, and you know, apparently the number one cause of death for males in Singapore between the age of ten and twenty five is suicide 
Are you kidding? Nope. And the UN projects that suicide will increase 25% in the next five years. So we need to be hyper vigilant and incredibly dedicated to our well-being and the well-being of our community. Um, because these, this is where, you know, this is pre-COVID. So COVID obviously just put everything in a pressure cooker. Uh, so it's unrealistic to expect that we we are not having, you know, issues with uh, dealing with our emotions, understanding, you know, what's happening in our community, what's happening in our lives. And, and generally in Singapore, we, we've kind of... <sighs> The country has been brought up in a way where it's like everyone sort of sets themselves on a path and then off you go on that path and then you, you hit target A, B, C and D and then you know that's how life is supposed to be. Um, but when something like this is thrown your way, it really, you know, it, it takes a lot for you to be agile and um, be able to pivot quickly uh, without experiencing a lot of um, anxiety I mean, around the attachments to how things are supposed to be. I mean, just generally speaking, people I know who are... Who are seem to have everything together, who've had wonderful lives, everything is hunky-dory, and yet now, you know, we, we thought COVID's going to go away in a couple of weeks, in a couple of months. Now it's, we're talking a couple of years maybe even. Uh, they're not handling it very well. How, how do you think we can get past this? I mean, they're literally at the brink, you know. I'm not sure what's going to happen to a whole lot of people here in Singapore. Mm. Uh, I think... Um First of all, we need to increase the dialogue around this. Uh, we need to um, continue to have these conversations, not only on podcasts, but one-on-one -on -one with our friends and with our family uh, to help ease the stigma around these conversations um, and for people to understand that it is perfectly normal to be not feeling okay right now. Um, and um, once you can acknowledge that I'm not feeling okay, then you can say, what are the tools that I need to be able to deal with my outer reality? The outer reality will be what it is, right? So what's the difference? What, what, what needs to change is the way that we deal with the outer reality using our inner tools. Uh, and therefore, the perspectives on, on, on one situation from five different peoples will be, will be completely different depending on the tools that they have to deal with the situation. Um, so access to those, to those tools, uh, increased dialogue around uh, the issues, more resources for people who are experiencing hardship, um, and also more tools for, um, for each other, for us to support each other. So that I know how to listen, I know when to answer, I know how to ask more, and I know if my friend is in need, and what are the signs of my friend being in need. So say for our, some of our listeners who are listening right now, who maybe need to hear something today about mental health, or do an exercise that will take them out of their funk, so to speak, what can you tell them? Uh, um you know, it, 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 there, I don't think there's one one solution that fits all, um, but self-care with the motivation to be the best version of yourself for your family, for your co-workers, for yourself is not a bad thing. Some people feel like, you know, when everything's falling apart, they have to work even harder and they've got to be on the ball and they can't, they can't afford to take time for themselves. But you can't pour from an empty cup. And if you want to be productive and and um, uh, 
a creative thinker, which is what we need, you need to have a, a mind that is open and relaxed. Uh, and that's neuroscience. Uh, it's not just hypothesizing, but it is actual uh, neuroscience. Um, so self-care uh, and and make that put that in the schedule so it's not when i fit it in i will try and fit it in but it's like okay every day i have to do xyz for however you know however long and that's something that i practice myself um generally i try not to take anything before 10 o'clock in the morning um because that is my time that i dedicate to my own practice my own well-being um and that's writing it's yoga it's my 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 own uh, dharma practice um and and that's that's just my 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 discipline. Um, another thing is to 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 find nature whenever you can. To really to be in nature, to get out, be in the park, sit and draw. Um, you know, focus on some some simple joys. You know, a lot of the time we're so attached to um, external kind of um, things that we acquire or material attainments um, uh, that that we assume will bring us happiness. But sometimes it's the simplest experiences um, and the simplest joys uh, that bring us a sense of gratitude. Um, and the simpler we make our, um, our, our joys, the easier it is to become happy. Is that a luxury for some people? Simple joys? Yeah. Looking at a flower and feeling happy? <laughs> um, is it a luxury? It's, well, it's free. Right? Uh, is it a luxury in, in terms of perspective? Possibly. Um, and so that's why, you know, everything else in life we work for, mm. right? We work for to be able to do better at work. We, you know, some people work hard on their, their relationships. You know, some people work really hard at school. Some people work hard so they can have, a, you know, a, a fancy car or a handbag or a watch. But why do we assume that happiness will just arrive on our plate mm. or contentment? It doesn't. Just like everything else, you have to put in the hours. Uh, and when you do the work, you see the results. And so now more than ever, now more than ever, it's hyper-hypercritical that we do that work. Now, when we're all relaxed and all, when Nadia takes off her makeup, takes off her titles, has done her yoga, has relaxed, and she's sitting down having tasty with me in the coffee shop, what's the real Nadia like? Um... Constantly in a pursuit of silliness and joy, I think, because <laughs> uh, life it can be quite serious. So um, I've made my um, uh, a motto that I have for 2020 is nicely chinchai. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I think you know my closest would say that I'm goofy, I'm silly, I'm um, uh, playful. What's the goofiest thing you've ever done? Goofiest thing I have ever done. Uh, I don't know. I think, um, I don't know. I do a pretty good Steve Urkel impersonation, which I'm not going to do for <laughs> you. <laughs> um, you know, I pull my pants up high and tuck my tail in and, you know, do a good Steve Urkel. But, um, yeah. It'd be really silly. Yeah, it'd be really silly. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think we, again, that's another thing that we need to sort of, be, be proactive about and I think I mentioned that earlier is the joy and the fun and the silliness because it's um, it's a lot of seriousness and we need to counter counterbalance the traumas that are going on um, to be able to be well. One of the things that gives me both trauma and joy is Zoom these days. You mm. know, we have to do that all the time. I mean, you know, it, it's you're kind of there but you're kind of not there as well. Mm. How do you how do you zoom your way through life the past couple of months? Um 
Uh, I'm I'm just grateful that that um, the organisations that I'm I'm regularly zooming with um, are uh, organisations that are focused on a deep sense of connection and community, um, deep sense of understanding the mind, uh, and a deep sense of purpose. Um, and I mean, th- those are three organisations in particular. And then with We the Good, the team and I, we're a team of eleven volunteers, uh, and everyone everyone's just got their heart in the right place. Um, and there are tools for creating connection over Zoom uh, that help people to engage and feel that sense of togetherness um, and connection that we've been um, learning and utilising uh, that really helps. Um, but not everyone is good. Not everyone is good, but, you know, everyone can learn. But what? not everyone wants to learn to be good. Uh, then then <laughs> if they complain about it, that's their problem. <laughs> you know? um, so instead of being, you know, just saying, okay, this is no good, then, you know, how do you be a part of the solution, right? Yeah. Do you miss Indonesia? Because you haven't left Singapore in months, right, I would take it. Um, I I do, but I, I, I funnily, and I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm Pretty happy just where I'm at right now. I don't. I'm not like, oh, I need to cut. I need to leave the country. Oh, I need to be out. I need to be here, here and there. I don't. I don't have that. Um, and I think that really comes from having a, 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 an incredible sense of purpose and perspective because of the work that I'm doing with We the Good, um, and 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 a, and a wonderful practice that you know wherever I am, uh, it, what matters most is my mind. Um, what I do miss is my mom. And at a time, one time that I did get sad recently was walking through uh, town and seeing Christmas decorations everywhere. And that really, that, that really struck a chord with me because Christmas is something that um, for us as a family is, 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 a, is a really big thing. Uh, we get really involved with Christmas um, and in a very creative way. So Christmas is always about creating something new, uh, you know, sustainable, interesting decorations made from recycled this, that, and whatever, you know, <laughs> some cool, interesting Christmas tree, you know. And so it's always about creativity and connection um, and always with my mom. And so not being able to see my mom for the second Christmas in a row is actually quite uh, sad for me. You can't zoom a hug, can you? <laughs> Cannot zoom a hug. Cannot. Cannot zoom a hug. Well, where do you think we're hurtling towards? Good, bad? Destruction, um, brand new life. Uh, okay, environmentally speaking, we are not headed down a good good path, um, and that um, you know, I, I with my role with the United Nations, I helped to launch the Global Environment Outlook in two thousand eighteen. Uh, I sat on stage with the world's top scientists um, and helped them to launch this document, which is you know three inches thick. Mm-hmm about three inches thick, uh, and it was very, very depressing de- Depressing because, um, you know, there were mentions of, of we don't have 10 years, we don't have 12 years, we have one year to turn the ship around, and that's not happening. It's just not happening. And um, the Isn't it frustrating when it becomes talk, talk, and you know yes. it's going to happen, mm-hmm. and yet nothing happens. Yes, absolutely, which is why it's depressing. Um, And then uh, after that, I read a book by a guy named David Wallace-Wells, and he wrote a book called The Uninhabitable Earth, which I highly recommend everybody read. Every single person must read it. Marking it down. (laughs) Uh, um, And uh, and I say these things with, with, with... the warning that it can be depressing, so uh, it is, but it is reality, uh, and um, 
we need to know the facts. And so in 2018, I, I did two of those things. I read that book and, and I launched the Global Environment Outlook and I hit a wall. Uh, and I was like, well, what have you been doing? What have I been doing my entire life uh, if we have not made a single dent in, in the space and we've only made our planet much worse? Um, I really questioned uh, what I was doing and thought about giving up. And then I thought to myself, what would I tell my kids um, if I am not doing all I can to help contribute to their lives? Um, and as a, as a mother, as a parent, um, I think this is where great responsibility lies. It's not just in their education, in their food and their their cohorts and, and, and things like that. Um, it really is how will they have clean air, clean water, a stable environment, you know, uh, not, not facing civil unrest. Um, don't you want, just want to shake these people sometimes and say, get up, smell the coffee, this has to change now? Um, yeah, but I don't think, I don't think that's the, the behavioral change science that, that, <laughs> that works, you know, from, 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 uh, from, from my understanding. And I wish, I wish it was that simple. I really, really do. And um, maybe that was me, you know, 20 years ago. I don't know. But uh, what will make them change? What will make them walk the path and make a difference? Education. Yeah, education and um, being absolutely childlike in your curiosity and asking questions um, nonstop. You need to ask questions about everything and not be satisfied with something just arriving. What if, what if they don't like the answers and they don't want to ask the questions? That's reality. Yeah. That's reality. We have to face the truth. Yeah. Well, let's, thank you very much for speaking to us, Nadia. It was wonderful speaking with you. Uh, if there's anything else you want to tell our audience today... At the moment, um, I think just be 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 kind to each other. You know, these are really really hard times, um, and uh, be kind to yourself. Um, make space for a conversation. Make space to engage. Make space to reach out to to people who you think are doing okay, um, because chances are they're probably not. Um, you know, make time for more lunches and. And moments of sitting, you know, in the park on a picnic mat um, with with friends and family, and just just be 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 there for people. Thank you very much, Nadia. Thank you. Thank you so much.